Welcome to 24 Karat Conversations with Phyllis and Rhonda, where two best friends decided to start a podcast on real women, real friendships, and real issues. Our mission Bible verse is Job 23.10. Yet he knows the way I have taken, and when he has tested me, I will emerge as pure gold. We want to encourage, inspire, and offer hope in a world where life can seem to be unrealistic. Be a support for you to cheer you on as a wife, mother, daughter, sister, and friend. Most of all, you get to relax and laugh with us about all things women. Plus, we like all things sparkly. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, that is a warning for a warning. Like, even those of us who love the Lord can be pulled off by these false prophets, and they will produce signs and wonders. So, you know, it's not just someone who's crazy and just, you know, that just doesn't really love the Lord that gets pulled off into this. And so there I was getting this warning from God. Every time I opened my Bible, there are false prophets and they will produce signs and wonders. So I was aware these people were probably seeing some weird sign and wonder, Mm -hmm. but I had the eyes of my father And so I did not see that. I knew that this was not real, what these people were seeing. And that is God's protection. That is completely God's protection. Um, and, uh, and he, he's been doing that all along in my story. And, you know, I, I would say this story goes on to being where I, I be suddenly I became 14 And I became a woman in, in this guy's eyes. I, you know, I got, I got my woman body and I suddenly moved beyond that protected, very normal life kind of a kid to, um, heading into the realm of sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. And, um, in that place to have, you know, the violation of sexual abuse combined with spiritual abuse, to have someone play with your mind in such a way that even when I knew it wasn't truth, Mm. that has been grounds for, um, the deepest sense of violation of where, when someone has abused you sexually with God's Mm. word, um, I, I don't even know how, how to describe where, you know, I I remember the first time I was abused asking for my mom and I just told him, I want my mom. And he made it very clear. If your mom comes in this room here, she'll be here for me, not for you, because I am here in obedience to my father and you're, and you know what you, and, and what's funny is at this was a moment he didn't actually sexually abuse me. If I'm remembering, he actually brought me into the room with the intention of doing that. When I cried for mom, he brought this, then he does this weird thing and says, you are very lucky. And he starts to giggle. You are so lucky because our father in heaven, he's actually providing a sacrifice. That's not you see, this was an Abraham and Isaac moment and you were laid on the altar but there you, we don't have to go through with it. Isn't that wonderful? Oh my goodness! And so then I left that room thinking I was whacked out because when he was talking, I'm searching around the room for a knife or something to stab him because I am so afraid I've got, I'm like, I know what's coming. Everything inside of me is yeah. going off. How can I? And then I leave that room going, was I capable of murder? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And, and, um, Anyways, and that, but that after that, 
it opened up a season of, of sexual abuse where the next time I was in the room, it was, it was for a, a different purpose. And, um, and that's uh, a place to, uh, I would think to even have any kind of a religion after that is because he, it's not just sexual abuse, it's spiritually sexual yeah. abuse, which is a whole other element so then like, how do you believe God's word when he didn't protect you from that? Right. So can you speak to that a little bit? I think, and I don't know if it's because of that little girl part of my story that God was there first mm-hmm. before all of this, I have never been to the place where I feel like God caused this, where I feel like he, um, you know, I, I don't know. There's always been a separation of that and an awareness of a spiritual realm. And I think that I have these moments where I've wondered, where were you in that moment, God, when, when I was hurting so desperately, where were you? And because I see in visions, I always saw him. God would show me where he was in these most painful moments of my life, where he was right there with me. And um, I'm trying to think of a a moment that is an example. Um, You know, okay, so I had been through several bouts of the sexual abuse and I had gotten to that place where the boldness in me started to rise up and I wanted to flee. I wanted to just run away. We were in Las Vegas at the time. Now this cult was on the run by this point. The FBI wanted them. He had broken many laws. Everybody else was doing his dirty work for him. We're talking prescription drug fraud, check fraud. Um, They're staying in hotels under different alias names, but we're on the road for the mission of God is what he's saying, right? Like we're just on the road. And my mom was always gone on the road, by the way. But I got brought into being on the road when I came to age, right? Like I, I was brought into that. So we had been, and that's where all of my abuse happened is in hotel rooms. And uh, so hotels for a very long time have been almost like a source of like trigger for me. And yeah. you talk about a hotel room with a Gideon Bible in it, even harder, yeah. right? <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. So that's been the place where it has been an invitation where I've needed the Lord to heal wow. me. Mm-hmm. Um, But in this, at one point I wanted to run and flee, but remember how I told you, I picked up the nature. My job was to protect everyone in order to run away. Instead of saying the actual reason that I was running away, instead of voicing truth, I pretended, I said, I can't be a part of this cult anymore. I can't. And I didn't say cult. I said, I can't be a part of this anymore. I'm running away because I'm in love with this guy. Enter his name. I'm not even going to speak his name, but. Um, I'm in love with him and he is with all the other women in this group because he was sleeping with everybody and I'm in love with him. And so I'm going to run. So that was my attempt to hopefully keep my mother from being abused because I knew she was going to get the crap beat out of her because of my attempt to run. And it's funny how long it took me to break that off my character, where I believed it was my job to protect everyone at the expense of myself. And I called it, I, I thought it was godly work. You know, <laughs> I took that right in yeah. me as a pastor. Right. So, you know, right. story for another day, but when I ran away and, um, and when I wrote that letter, it actually caused more harm on the back end, right? Because now this guy thinks that I'm in love with him. 
But when I ran, they caught me. I ran away in Vegas. I, I ran into this storage area. It was just across the street from the hotel. And it was like a storage rental area. I ran in and I am screaming, I need help. I need a phone. My plan was to call my grandmother. I jumped over the counter because I saw someone chasing me and I hid behind. And um, I think that that moment is a moment where I don't go, why didn't God intervene in my story? I went, why didn't people intervene? You see a right. teenage girl running and not okay. And she jumps over your counter and you, you call no police and you, you do nothing to make sure like nothing to make sure that I was okay. And so I was grabbed and pulled back and taken back into this hotel. And my punishment was to sit in at this table, you know, the, uh, like a hotel room that has a table in it and yeah. like the suites. Um, my punishment was to sit underneath this table, not quite underneath it, but just kind of in the corner. And I was sat there for a few days, you guys underneath this table. I'm 14 years old. And people are in the room talking and I am completely ignored. It's as though I'm not there. And that table, I believe, is the, the moment of all moments in this whole story of my history where I left the most fragments of me behind. And I've had to revisit that table so many times because it is that table that told me I didn't matter. That table told me I was invisible to the world around me. Mm -hmm. told me that I was alone. It told me that speaking truth only costs you. And I left all of those, uh, all of the pieces of who I am, sunny, bold as a lion left underneath that table. And, um, I remember I had cried out to God after that part of the story. Where were you? Where were you? Where were you? And I remember just seeing this vision of him walking through into the hotel room door, sitting down. And I remember seeing his hands, like plain as day, seeing his hands reach down, filling with tears from his tears, picking me up and carrying me out of the room. And my healing is that I choose to see that instead of what actually what happened. And it doesn't mean that I'm detached from reality. It means I allowed God to re rewrite that a part of my story. And so, um, so I don't know, I don't, that was like a long way of, of trying to answer your question, but somehow Phyllis, my God protected me. I, I knew this wasn't him. And, and I, I don't know. Maybe it's because my voice in this world is shaped to make much of Jesus. And mm -hmm. I have a heart for those in the midst yeah. of pain yeah. for them yeah. to see it was not God. And I rush to those situations now. So, yeah. so I don't know. I, I don't yeah. know if that answered your question or. No, I think it's, well, it's, it's how you sustain that. I, um, I, I want to move forward. Like you have this impact women's movement and, I think the work, I, I believe like, you know, all of us, Freedom Academy, your hard story, your, you know, your, your hard story is your calling. Like it's, it, um, we can't explain why the things happen. Why? So, so I'm thinking like, that was your story, but like, how do you explain to someone else who didn't feel that, that had gone through that kind of thing? Um, you know, how do you come beside them when they're like, I didn't feel God next to me at that moment. I didn't feel safe or 
things like that. And I know that you have this beautiful movement and I just want to know like, what kind of work do you do to, to really sit beside those people and, um, and be able to hear the stories that don't sound like yours. Yeah. Um, I, I think for me, the word that comes to mind is honesty. And that Mm. is when I come alongside a woman, my first MO is not to say, Hey, God, God's there with you because that feels like salt on a wound to somebody who Mm -hmm. is dying a thousand deaths in a moment and is not sure of God. And so we're super good. Sorry, but we're super good in church with doing that. Like, well, God, it's everything happens for a reason. Well, when you're in the middle of trauma, like it doesn't, that's, that's not helpful advice. Yeah. And isn't it, and, and really that's just the heart of you're wanting to love, but we have so much fear mm-hmm. of the person before us blaming the God that we love. And mm-hmm. so we slap a scripture on it and try to make them get to happy quicker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that I, I, and our whole movement tries to come alongside women in honesty and helping them to really be honest about the places in their heart and the places in their story about their real feelings about what's really going on. Because I think in our world, we do a crap job of, of what telling the truth of what is really going on. We are such a world focused on the external appearances that we never want to engage the things of the heart. And I think that, so I think that I do an honest engagement of the heart and I'm not afraid to to hold people's big feelings because I remember having them and coming to the other side. And I remember because I felt those feelings and I gave myself process through that, that I'm, I have freedom today because I did that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I, I think it's, it's sitting with somebody in the honesty and, and actually not just being willing to hear their feelings, but almost asking about that. How are you feeling about that? I'm imagining it's even hard for you to, to picture where God was in that story. How are you doing with that? I mean, I, I imagine in a moment like this, that it might even feel like, like you might even, you know, I I'll go to the place of, have you lost faith? That's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's okay. God can handle that. And I I think of a picture of, um, you know, when we have these seasons in our life, we almost build a house upon them, right? Like think of one of those little kids playhouses, right? We take one of those houses and we park it right on that season of our life. And then we decorate it and we make it pretty. And we live in that house for the rest of our lives. And, um, God is all about helping you come outside of that house. Mm-hmm. And he's, he wants to come into that house and meet with you, break bread with you, sit at a table with you, tell, help you to know he was always with you, but to say, there's more life out here. Let's get out of this place. And so I think that when I engage in honest communication with people, I'm trying to help them realize Jesus was always sitting right there in the moment, like sitting right here at the door of this house. He was right here. And I have no idea why he didn't intervene. I believe he had the power to, but what I believe right now is that he has the power to intervene with healing and to rewrite the way that you look at this, the perspective with which you see this moment. And now I can see the house 
because I'm not living in it. Right. Does right. that make sense? So I, I think, yeah. that, I think that that's kind of how I've been able to, to help people with that. And, and to, to be able to see that, that sometimes the behaviors we have, sometimes faithlessness, sometimes people's, um, hatred of even the church and religion, right? Like sometimes all of that, it really is just a wounded little girl who's still parked in the house of a season that, that the enemy came and he literally did rob her. And so instead of pushing her outside the church, say, that's okay. Let's, and she's not going to see the hope of the church until you come be the hope of the church and you sit in that house with her. Right. Yeah. You have to sit in the emotion and the muck. The house is just really a mud pit, Yes. <laughs> you know, but it feels safe and warm. And so you're like, I, I don't want to, it's like people sting you when you've been traumatized. You're just yeah. like, I just can't, like, I can't with people. And, um, and so to sit with them and say like, those emotions are okay. I think what the church tries really hard to, um, to show you God's love, but they keep doing it through praying more coming alongside us, like join this group and let's pray. Let's pray over you. Let's pray over you. Let's pray over you. And if you've been in a cult where the prayer has been used against you, that could be like a trigger beyond a trigger. And so I feel like, uh, what, what we don't do just people in general, not even just the church, but people in general don't like to feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And so when somebody's sad or someone's pissed off because they've been wronged, um, they don't, they just try to get to the happy really quick. And it's like, no, I, I, I deserve to have that. So, and I've been taught my whole life, like, don't feel that don't cry, shut up, like be strong. And so the tears feel guilt-ridden for me. It's still a struggle and I stuff a lot of things, but I think that's a normal thing when you've been through what you've been through, what other people's traumas have been through is that we learn, especially if we're in any kind of a spiritual bent, we learn that well, we just need to open our Bibles and pray more. And yes, absolutely. Cause I know that that comforts me, but there are times when I do need to sit and cry and scream and yell and be mad and be off. Cause like I'm pissed off for you. Right. I just think that's the most disgusting thing that someone takes a beautiful God and whips it around and changes it into something so ugly and vile so that he can be pleasured. It it just like, it's just such the biggest violation to me. And I know like I've been through sexual abuse. And so that in itself is already like a horrible thing. But when you throw another layer of a Christian bent to it, like that can really mess somebody up. And so we need to have those bigger conversations. I love that you're sitting with these women and saying like, let me just let you feel the feelings so that then we can get out of the mud house and start to find the beauty again. Cause there is always beauty. I do believe in that. I think there's always beauty, even through the pain but you can't find it until you can like scrape all the mud off of the junk that's just been piled on you. And it doesn't make me feel better when I feel like, well, I'm not feeling that spiritual right now. Just that now that means like, I'm not a good person or I'm not a spiritual enough person. Cause I'm still mad or I'm still upset. And so I think we, ha- you know, we have to allow that. And I think that, you know, the, it's also really difficult because I know that like, you know, you walk into a church and they're like, sit at our table, you can be a part. 
but they haven't built that relationship, especially if you've been through trauma or abuse, that it's a safe place to open up, right? Because very often they say, well, come sit at our table. And then you find it's just clicky and you, you know, it's surface and it's like, we don't allow ourselves to go deep. And I don't even know how you can change people's lives without them hearing or understanding your story. Because to me, like the, the deepest friendships I have made are the ones that we have sat together and cried together and shared our stories and God's used those things to, to bring us closer together. So I think, you know, as a, as a church, speaking from the church, we have to do a better job about making it a safe place as opposed to a condemning place. Because I think we, we put in line all the sins, right? Okay. Well, this sin is way worse than that sin. You know, when the fact is, is sin is sin. And we all are all walking through it and we're all going through it. And so I just feel like what you're doing um, to help other women be, make it a safe place is beautiful. Yeah. And I, you know, on the, on the, um, when you're talking about the church, it's interesting because the church is this place of beauty, right? Mm -hmm. It is, um, it is a family for us to belong to. It is the place Mm -hmm. where we really can, come to know God deeper. It is the place that for me, so much it's been the healing of God has been through the family of God. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, what came to mind when you said we have to do a better job at making it a safe place. I think the caution on the other side of that is sometimes churches in the movement to become a safe place. It's like, yes, some churches need to work on that. Mm -hmm. Some churches need to be very careful that that quest for safety doesn't become a, uh, just a quest for comfort. And, um, we start building it. It's funny. I see in, even in the church today, it's, it's almost like this cult of Mm self-improvement, right. Of where we just, and, and, you know, I say cult in this way. And it's like, I'm not talking Jim Jones. Okay. Just for a second, (laughs) just, uh, if you look at the definition of the word cult, and I'm going to mess this up. I actually wrote it down over here. So I wouldn't forget. See, um, but it's a system of religious respect and misdirected devotion, it's misplaced and excessive admiration for a particular person or a thing. So if we are building cultures that are all about safety, right? Yes, we need to make them more safe, but if we're building it all about safety and comfort, then what we do is we build our churches based on emotions and the feel good. It's, it's, it's like, you know, anything that we go to try to do good, sometimes we overcompensate, Yes, but it's, it's how do I make my church more at the heart of Jesus? And the heart of Jesus is always exposing things of the heart, Mm -hmm. right? And yet churches today, many of them have become these, it's a cult of personality where it is this dominant charismatic force of a person that God designed to actually be that way, by the way, right? But the system itself has actually aided um, this personality to grow bigger and bigger. And before you know it, now we're protecting this personality. We're protecting and going into image management of this person's actions and how they will reflect on the church. So we go into Mm -hmm. secrecy where there is quietness and it's really easy for us as, and I think right now in our culture where we want to point the finger at the church and we say, yeah, churches are just built on celebrity culture and they are 
are, you know, all about abuse and they're all about, and it's like, yes, you can see that. And if that is a story you want to continue to believe, but if we get curious about the church, about what it actually is, then we actually have to go, hang on this. If there is a cult of personality, there is also probably a cult of consumerism. And who are the consumers? Ah, I am the person coming in and sitting in this chair every week. I might have consumerism in me where I have wanted my church to focus on external appearances instead of actually going to the deep dive into the heart because that's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And when we're confronted with things of the heart, we don't like it. So we would rather be consumers. And the danger of consumerism is people start just doing busy activities and it busy religious activities. It's, it's a spirit of religion for what you can call it, busy activities exchanged for a heart relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah. And um, I'm telling you, that is such a dangerous place to be because when we're focused on external appearances, we move towards hardened hearts because now we're focused on works of the flesh instead of works of our heart. And, um, but we know Jesus, he wants to come in and give us a new heart, one of flesh, and, um, and I don't think we're that far off in the church. We just kind of have a little bit, you know, we're resting a little bit too much on ourselves and we're focusing mm -hmm. on a little bit too much of the wrong things instead of remembering the church is a family. It's a place for people to belong and serving the, the religious activities serving. It's not really about handing out a bucket at church. It's about side by side building relationships yeah. So that we're building enough relationship where we can have the conversations around us talking about, right. right. It opens up the door for me to know Susie peanut who's serving alongside me because we've been, you know, handing out communion cups. Now I know her now it's safe for her to share my story. Right. So let's not focus so much on safety. Let's yeah. focus on the heart of Jesus Love and it. what safety will be an overflow. So Love yeah. Love, that was beautiful. Sunny. Thank you so much for one sharing your story and just, being so like open and honest with everything. I mean, that's a, it's a tough story. It really is. Mm -hmm. And we are just so grateful that you were sharing it um, so that others can be impacted by it. So thank you for being on the show and wow. Where can they reach you? Yes. Yeah. And I'm honored you guys asked. Thank you so very much. And it's new for me to share this story, just so you know, because uh, for a lot of years I hid it because yeah. I didn't want to be weird cult girl. Um, that was my fear. Um, I, I wanted to make much of Jesus and instead I said, until I had healing, it would make much of me. So I'm still practicing telling the story. Um, so thank you for holding space for me today, you know, uh, and for even people listening, that's holding space while we get courageous and sharing. Um, and to reach me, I mean, I'm a chick. I, I, I do love social media for all the hate, hate, hate on people. I actually love it. Um, and so I'm just Sunny Kane on Instagram, or you can find me Sunny Holland Kane on, uh, on Facebook. Um, and our movement is impact women movement. And, um, you know, as all things in COVID, we've been a little bit shut down, but we're hoping to get that, uh, revved back up here in the coming months. So awesome. well, thank you again for, for being on the show and 24 Carat Tribe. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share 24 Karat Conversations on both Facebook and Instagram. And until next time, people, sparkle on. Bye, peeps. Bye.